Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Delicious. Today is Thursday, May 5th. I want to say March 5th. May 5th. Uh, one of our Nebula Conference organizers made that mistake the other day. She said if we could have that back by March 6th, that would be great. And she had to follow up with the extra email saying, I mean, May 6th. <laughs> so I, of course, helpfully chimed in and said, we only wish it was March. Alas. It's a little chilly here this morning. Chill breeze blowing. I started to go out to the Grape Arbor and uh, it was too chilly. That's why I put my jacket on. Now I've taken it off. You can see I'm on video having a little Mr. Rogers moment. Uh, I did not mention this the other day. Uh, and I meant to when I was talking about that episode of Julia, which faithful listener Laura Darnell tells me has been renewed for a second season. Ooh, ooh. So I guess she started watching it and found it delightful. That is a perfect word for it. This show is just delightful you guys there are so many things about it that um, are heartwarmingly wonderfully delightful so a uh, brief spoilery moment if you don't want to know I mean I don't think it's not an actual like plot type spoiler but it's a really cool moment when you figure out who this person is so Laura if you don't want to know cover your ears for a moment but at the end of that episode that we watched last week, there was this lovely moment where uh, after Betty Friedan has like gutted Julia unfairly, totally unfairly. And she is, uh, Julia has gone out to the lobby just to get a breath of air and she's sitting there and she's trying not to cry, but actually crying as so many of us do. And this man comes up to her and says how much he liked her speech. And he is so gentle and so kind. And uh, he and he's, he says how magical. And it was a really great speech. And I, and I will not spoiler that because there's some lead up to what is she going to say. And he said he really loved what she said and a particular thing about it. And, and he is so kind. And he is kind and warm hearted in the same way that she is. And I went, oh, it's, it's Mr. Rogers. And it was. It was Mr. Rogers. And I don't know. I mean, does this sound goofy, you guys? It was lovely. It was, it was, and, and, and he asks um, if he should leave her alone. And she said, no, if you would just sit with me for a few minutes. Why does that make me verklempt? I don't know. Uh, some of the gals in the Faro group were talking about uh, Bridgerton, second season of Bridgerton. I was talking about it too, but then they continued and um, they, there was a debate over whether they liked second season better than first. A lot of people didn't seem to like second season as much as the first. Um, I liked it better, but I'm, I love slow burn. I love, I love rigid firstborns. Hello, only child, uh, you know, who feel like they have to do and be everything. And I, I love, I loved everything about it. Uh, so again, slightly spoilery uh, towards the end. Um, after Kate has 
like sacrificed everything. They were saying that these were things that they didn't like about it. They didn't like how her, uh, the relationship with the sister, which I actually loved. And I, but I've also read the books a couple times. So I had, I don't know, strong opinions already. Um, but one of the things they were saying they didn't like was that after the sister figures out, um, what's going on. I'm trying not to spoil her, but you know, maybe, maybe I will spoil her and cover your ears or, or go away. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything interesting today anyway. Uh, so, so the premise is I'm, I'm going full spoiler here, folks. Kate is the older sister. She's given up on marriage. She figures she can't anyway. Uh, there are a lot of reasons for this. Uh, and everything's been put into grooming her younger sister to get her the ideal marriage, which will get her an inheritance that um, Kate will never get. And all of, all of these things. Kate, now, see, now I have to tell you guys all the details. Uh, and you probably don't even care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So there's two sisters, Kate and Edwina. And Kate is the daughter of an East Indian man. And a British woman fell in love with him and he already had Kate as his daughter. She was like eight years old when they got married. And so she raised Kate as her own. And then she also had Edwina. So Edwina has British grandparents and Edwina is the one who stands to inherit. Whereas Kate is, you know, the daughter of this, you know, Indian merchant. Uh, she's got no British blood in her and she you knows she's not supposed to be part of this British aristocracy, whereas it's Edwina's birthright by her mother, right? So everything's been put into getting Edwina the perfect marriage. And so even though Kate falls in love with Anthony Bridgerton very early on, she is determined that, well, she actually hates him and she doesn't want him from, for Edwina, but Edwina sets her sights on him. And he sets his sights on Edwina and it's a brilliant match. It's like everything that Kate could want for Edwina and Edwina is like, I really want this. I want you to be nice to this guy. And so Kate does. Kate sacrifices everything. Uh, even though, you know, like she's in love with Anthony, she doesn't do anything about it. And Anthony doesn't do anything about it because, you know, hello, rigid firstborns who are going to do their duty before anything else, which I love. I eat that up with a spoon. And then towards the end, Edwina realizes the pair of them are in love. And it, I mean, it's this fantastic moment because I feel like season two borrowed heavily from some of the, uh, is it, oh, K-drama. I wanted to say K-pop. K-dramas, the Korean dramas, where they do these long, long looks. And Anthony and Kate just exchange these searing glances that are full of all of their denied lust and love. And, <laughs> and at one point, a critical point, and I won't spoiler that, but Edwina sees it and it's like the scales fall from her eyes. It's almost a class, classic mythological moment. And Edwina says, like, oh my God, have they been doing this the whole time? Has everybody seen this but me? And she feels totally betrayed. And I was all right with her feeling totally betrayed. Other people didn't like this so much. I think they wanted it to be like less fraught. But then 
Edwina is very unkind to Kate. She is cruel to Kate uh, in her pain and feeling of betrayal. And she basically says to Kate, um, well, she just accuses Kate of some, of some terrible things, um, you know, of hurting her. And, and we really feel with Kate this whole time because we, we know that Kate has only ever done this to sacrifice for Edwina, that she was ready to sacrifice her most basic happiness, like this, her one true love, so that Edwina could be happy and have her inheritance and have everything. And it's dramatically unfair. And so some of these gals did not like that at all because they felt like it was unfair to Kate. And it's like, it is unfair to Kate. It's awful. And it made it so good. It was, um, I just loved, I, I loved it. Um, and I'm going to do a rewatch. So, so there. It's um, maybe part of the reason I love it is because it's always a story challenge to get the reader feeling along with the protagonist so that even when they make mistakes and both Anthony and Kate make a lot of mistakes, they make a lot of mistakes out of pride and out of this sort of single-minded determination to do their duty by their families. And that's, um, it's not always easy to find that sweet spot, right? Where, where the protagonists are doing absolutely the wrong thing through the very best of intentions and that this is tied into their character and into their internal wounds, their blind spots. And when it's well done, where you are like totally on board, where you, you know what choices they're going to make. <laughs> you're like, oh, don't do this thing. I know you're going to do this thing. I know why you feel like you have to do this thing, but don't do it. And then they do it. And you're still feeling along with them. Um, you know, clearly it doesn't work for everyone. Uh, let's see. So me and my work. Uh, I've started revising this book, you know, I definitely, um, that act two climax crisis. I went back and input all of my notes from reading the first three books and the novella into a document. And I'm revising with all of that in mind. And I definitely was hitting a point, um, yesterday where I was feeling like, I hate this book. This book sucks. This is going to be the book that ruins my career. I need a particular name for this crisis. <laughs> it's so funny because I can feel all of those emotions. And even knowing that I do this every time, I still feel them. So we'll see. Right now, I think the book is terrible. Um, cheers. I was talking with a friend of mine last night, um, and I won't say who, uh, but one of my author friends was ranting and this is what we do, right? When we say step away from the keyboard, don't, don't put this online. What you do is you call up your author friends and you rant to them 
and on the phone where nobody ever will ever repeat it. And this friend of mine even said, she said, you know, this is why I love you because I can rant to you. She says, nobody ever knows that I think these things. And I said, no, everybody thinks you're super sweet, <laughs> but it, it's totally cool. This is, this is what we do. Um, but she was upset because she had seen a review saying something about one of her books or stories that, uh, that said, well, <clears throat> this, the author didn't put in her best effort. And, and she was frankly incensed because it's fine. If you don't like the book, not all stories work for everyone, right? Witness season two of Bridgerton, right? Um, not everybody likes everything that we don't have to, but because a particular book or story didn't work for you, doesn't mean that the author didn't put in her best effort. And it's something that reviewers do sometimes uh, where they project. And I think most authors find it very irritating because they'll say things like, well, the ending was rushed because clearly the author was attempting to meet a deadline or, um, you know, the, the author was thinking this or that. And it's like, you know, unless you hear us say it on the podcast, you, you don't know, you don't know what goes on in our heads and, uh, creating something is, it's not a science. It's not an exact thing, you know, where we are not building widgets. Um, there may be some authors who can crank out books like widget. Uh, I'm not saying names. I'm thinking them. Um, there are authors who can reliably deliver the same thing over and over again, uh, and they make a good career at doing it. Not everybody wants to do that. And not everybody has the same creative process to allow for that. And if I were going to be really bitchy, which is why I'm not naming names, I would say that some of these authors who essentially create book widgets um, are not actually being all that creative. They're just following a mold and doing the same thing over and over again, which can be very satisfying audiences. So while I, I will admit that I, that doesn't work for me, you know, it's like, well, you know, if you can make a good living doing it and it's satisfying to you, fine, go ahead. But not everybody works that way. And you know, as I often say, that's, and as I was saying with my friend last night, I actually talked with two of my writer friends yesterday because I'd had a distress. We were doing mutual ranting. I did. I'm like, what does this even mean? Uh, a conversation that I had with somebody else. Sorry to be all obscure, but I don't spill all the tea here at first cup of coffee. That's why it's not first cup of tea. But oops, I lost my train of thought there. Oh, you know, <laughs> what, when we, oh, this is, uh, sorry, blah, blah, blah. If we were editing, I would edit that, but we're not. So, oh, well, the, the whole point there is, and we were saying this back and forth to each other, you know, it's like, if it would be, there are easier careers to have. That's what I'm trying to say. And I even said to her, yeah, you know, if, um, if we wanted to just make money, just have a job that makes money, we would be stockbrokers or bankers or finance people or something like that. 
it's this is not the easiest way to make money and being the creative process is so fraught that way and not always within your control but part of why she was so offended by that particular line was she was like every time I sit down to write it's my best effort she said I don't I don't care what else is going on in my life when I write it I promise it is always my best effort and so she was actually she was like you could say a lot of things you could say that I didn't write this book as well as another one or that I have you know rushed the ending or you know that this story didn't work for you or that you didn't like the characters or whatever but don't say it wasn't my best effort because they're all our best efforts and and I totally feel that I mean that's like here I am with my act two climax crisis and it's like um it's totally my best effort <laughs> and I I don't know if I'm going to pull it off I don't know if it's going to work um yeah so I'm I'm pausing because I'm debating saying a thing and I think I'm not going to say it yeah I'm not going to talk about what kind of bothered me from from yesterday alas if you could be in on our venting phone calls you all would probably enjoy that the fly on the wall for these things but that's why we have venting phone calls um, it's a, it's a funny thing you know about the business and I it's a piece of advice that I sometimes give to younger writers and then sometimes withhold because I don't want to um, rain on their happy parades but you know like some of this stuff just never gets easier and <laughs> and and we talk about you know like you know it's good to have writers who are like the same face that you are because the problems that we have you know are are champagne problems they are problems that you know that my 10 years ago self would have been thrilled to have you know like the thing that is currently aggravating me um, I would have been thrilled to like be able to have this conversation with this person in the first place it would have like felt like a huge success just to be even having this conversation with the people involved you know and now it's like I am happy to be having the conversation but some of the content is aggravating to me and it's like I don't want to be dealing <laughs> with some of this um, you know sometimes I feel like uh, you know the Kermit and I I want to be left alone to write my books don't bug me about them <laughs> which is probably why so many writers end up becoming that person I totally get it now so there we are um, yeah so I guess I have no idea if I was going to like say anything with relevant content today it's always amusing to me when you guys comment and say really good podcast today and it's like oh, I don't I don't know why I, uh, please tell me I, I'm it's always interesting to hear which ones you guys think are really good podcasts but um, yeah it's not like I plan it much like my books <sighs> all right on that note I'm gonna go I uh, hope you all are having a great Thursday uh, winding up the week and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.